0: I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're looking at one verse this morning, and that'll be verse 12 of Exodus 20. And it is, as we turn to uh, verse 12, it is a very important topic Uh, Something that does have, as I mentioned earlier, an impact upon each uh, one of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our stage of of life, Uh, it affects uh, ourselves, it affects our families tremendously, Uh, it affects our church, it affects the world around us, uh, society itself. And so it's important for us to to see and to struggle with, and, and it does require struggle I think at times to struggle with what God's Word has to say about this topic, about the topic of authority. Now, I know this is not an, always a, a popular topic. It's not everyone's favorite topic at all times. I've had some, some tell me very directly, I, I just I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like authority. I just don't do well with it. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that honesty there. But at the same time, I, I want to say, well, there's no real surprise in that. Uh, it, it's, it's not just you, right? Uh, because rebellion to authority is really at the, the heart or at the center of the sinful heart. Uh, often, we'll be in a place, we, we may not be that direct in, in speaking about it, but uh, hide it within, but we still often find ways in which to set aside authority, uh, and especially it, it, today, it is something that we, we see readily in the world around us, uh, this rebellion against authority, but it's been there, of course, since chapter 3 of Genesis there in the garden. Um, and ultimately, all of rebellion against true authority, we've got to recognize, and this is an important uh, principle or, or foundation to this commandment that we're going to be looking at, uh, all of it traces its way back to God, doesn't it? Because all true authority comes from God. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Jesus said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Uh, and therefore it is delegated, all true authority. So, if you think about the government, if you think about uh, a, a, a teacher and students, uh, if you think about this relationship that we're talking about today uh, within the family, or on and on, all of it is delegated by God. It comes from God, and so rebellion against that authority is what? It's rebellion against God, and so let's, let's have that in mind. Um, and so, yes, it is difficult. It's not everyone's favorite topic But the person who knows Christ and who has begun to trust in Christ is is going to be one who desires to know these things, to have answers to questions such as, you know, what is this authority, and uh, why has the Lord placed us under authority in these different places in which we find ourselves under it, Uh, especially when we have problems with that person or the people under whom we have been placed. Uh, and so, so all of that is what this commandment deals with and what we should want to understand. And, and, and I, I do want to say it only, doesn't only have to do with being under authority, but with being in that place of authority, uh, as many of us find ourselves as well in, in different areas and different relations. So all of that falls under this uh, commandment. And so it's that which we should want to understand and apply our our hearts to. Uh, You know, I think it's important as we approach this topic just just to remind ourselves that our hearts, especially when it comes to this, to authority, our hearts often deceive us. Uh, And so we need to be very careful and approach this with humility and with a recognition of what our hearts often do, of that danger. Uh, one more comment I'd like to make before we dig into this commandment, uh, and that has to do with what I spoke earlier about two different tables of the law. Now, uh, we know that Moses gave the 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 law. I'm sorry, the Lord gave the law to Moses to give to the people with two physical stone tablets. Now, we don't know exactly what was on those stone tablets in terms of how they were how the commandments were broken down. Some believe that there were two copies, uh, so there was a backup copy uh, of the commandments. But traditionally, the way that it's seen, and this is extremely helpful, is to, to to think of it in terms of the first tablet. We often call it the first table, being those commandments which are between the Lord and ourselves. As you might say it's vertical uh, and that would be, if you, if you read through the, the, the commandments, the first four, one through four have to do with our relationship with the Lord, then that means that uh, the next tablet, stone tablet, would have had written on them the, the next six, so beginning with the fifth commandment all the way to uh, the tenth commandment. And those deal with, if you read through them, with our horizontal relationship, that with each other, and you can think through Uh, you know, the the different commandments that are there, some of them, uh, do do not commit murder, adultery, uh, steal, lie, uh, covet. Uh, So, one after another, uh, those deal with these horizontal relationships. Uh, And so, please understand as as we look at the beginning of the second table of the law at the fifth commandment, that these commandments will never be understood rightly unless we first have and submit ourselves and understand and receive and accept the first table, which is that with the Lord. Uh, and I think, I think we should all understand that. But what we so often do as we approach these commandments is we just see them uh, you know, flat on a sheet of paper before us. This is what I must do. So I'll do it, and I'll check it off without seeing that first table of the law must come before it. We've got to have that relationship with the Lord uh, Jesus Christ first. So let's have that uh, in mind. We can't truly love our neighbor unless we first love the Lord. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, this is God's Word. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, We thank You for its truth. Uh, We thank You that it is a a rock that we can stand upon, yet we also recognize that apart from Your help, Lord, uh, that we are unable to truly see, unable to truly take this Word, understand it, apply it to our own hearts, uh, and... And obey, and obey, and of course that means with a right heart. And so we we do pray for your help this morning that you would make this plain before us. Help me uh, as I uh, bring uh, out this word and and help to make it uh, at least the meaning of it plain before us. And then we pray for your help in in dealing with our hearts and the difficulties that that lie there. Uh, We know our sin. And we know our, our, the stubbornness of our hearts at times, so we need you, we pray, to work upon that, uh, that we might uh, seek to follow and to trust and to obey uh, with a right heart. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Have you ever played with Jenga blocks before, or watched someone play with Jenga blocks so that you got to know what they were and how they work. Now, I know most of the kids here know exactly what I'm talking about as soon as I say that. uh, They have have done that. But for those uh, adults here who don't know uh, really what Jenga blocks are, uh, let me uh, describe briefly uh, them to you. Now, if you were at the miner's uh, place a couple of, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, and we had a picnic there. We played with the, the large blocks uh, that they had there. I think I think Andy made those, if, I, if I'm correct, but uh, very large blocks, uh, but the the small ones work exactly the same way. So what you do is you, you take each of the blocks, and, and you, you stack them on top of each other in, in a certain fashion in which you build a tall tower. I think in the original version there are 54 or some odd uh, blocks. I don't know if we've got that many in the in the uh, big blocks, but, but it's a vertical stacking, and then uh, once you have the tower, then those who are participating, one person at a time will, will go and will, somewhere within the tower, will pull out very carefully uh, a block, and then usually, I've seen it done a couple of different ways, but usually I think they're supposed to put that back up on the top of the tower and so, what happens is that over time, as, as one person does it and the next person does it, uh, the tower itself can become more and more unstable, uh, and this continues, and it continues until a single block is removed, and the tower comes tumbling down, which if you're using the big blocks, that can actually be dangerous from what I, I saw. You've got to stand back. Uh, But the object there is not to be the person that removes that block that causes the full house to come crumbling down. But it's going to happen at some point, right? Uh, Because certain of these these blocks really support the structure and make it stable. There are others that as you pull them out, you can tell uh, they're not really holding it up at all. But when you pull those Particular blocks out, they, they cause the structure to become less and less stable until finally one makes it all fall. So, if you get that picture in your mind uh, and take that Jenga model and apply it to the world in which we live and really to our, our society, uh, then just as there are certain Jenga blocks that are, are critical. Uh, for the stability of that tower in the same way there are certain blocks that are critical for the stability of the world in which we live of of our very society and that which makes up our our society Uh, and that is especially found in the family unit God has ordained it that way he's made it that way from the very beginning Uh, this and and at the heart of that uh, relationships within that family, one of those being the relationship between children and parents. Uh, You can think of it just like with the Jenga blocks, that it provides the underpinnings for the stability of our society. And just like with Jenga blocks, instability is introduced as there is a breakdown in those relationships. Uh, As... They continue forward not according to God's plan. And central to that relationship, central to it, is this authority structure that's spoken of in uh, the commandment that we just read. Honor your father and your mother. This is directed to, of course, to the children. Honor your father and mother. And when that, this is not there, there will be an instability. And there will be a breakdown within the family... Uh, and within uh, the lives of the children as they grow, but also within those other building blocks, within the church, uh, within society itself. So with that in mind, I wonder if we really realize how important this is. And you know, I I think that's often our failure, uh, that in the middle of doing life, uh, as, as, a, as a family, in the middle of doing life, with all of our challenges and all of our obstacles, and there are challenges and obstacles there, uh, with all of our busyness of, of life, with all of the other goals that we often set before ourselves to pursue, and with all of the wrong messages we get from the world around us, with all of that going on in our lives we are very susceptible to failing to take to heart how important and how critical this is, parents responsible for their children. Children submitting with right hearts to their parents. It gets lost in all the noise and all the other uh, emphases of life And there are consequences, of course, when this doesn't happen, when authority is not properly established, uh, because it's fundamental to the well-being of the family itself and to all these other structures. Uh, It's fundamental to the church, and it's fundamental to society. And, of course, that's not hard to see as we look at the the world around us. But I could also say as we look at the church uh, around us, On the other hand, in in a home in which you've got a father and a mother who are working together toward the same end, looking to the Lord, or in some cases, that's not possible. There may be just a father, there may be just a mother. But working toward this end to train up their children in the way that they should go, then you've got a foundation that's being laid there, a foundation for peace and for well-being uh, in the lives of the children, a foundation that provides for their ability to, to move forward in life. And it's a place in which beliefs and values are are, are properly communicated, conveyed to those children and to the next generation. Now, I, I'm not saying this is a guarantee uh, there, there are many ways that this can go astray. We do, each child has within that child a, a, a heart, a sinful heart, and the ability to continue on their own way. But the foundation for it is being laid. Uh, so we need to be reminded that this is important, this is critical, uh, and to make sure, therefore, that we've got a, a right authority that is in place and that is supported and that we move forward with. Uh, one that holds both parents and children responsible. And that's what this commandment does. This is not just about the children, but, of course, both. Children must honor their father and mother. Now, there are just two questions that I'd like to to ask us as we look at this that will help us to understand how this works and understand how this applies uh, to us. And, And I'll just say in... In asking these two questions, I realize that much of what we're going to say today and, and, and look at with this particular type of authority, that there are many here who are in a, a time of life and in a stage of life in which uh, you, you, you can say, Well, I can look back, but that's, that's in the past or uh, today. Uh, I I am not dealing with these things in my life, And, and that's true. We're going to have that as we go through God's Word. Yet, at the same time, I do want to remind all of us that there are principles that are being established here which are governed by this commandment for all areas of authority and subordination Uh, And this is that which every person needs, regardless of our age, our stage of life, because we are all subject to different sources of authority and to being an authority in in some cases. And so, so again, two questions that I'd like for us to ask of the text. One, what does this commandment say? Very straightforward in a sense. And secondly, how is it to be obeyed? What does it say, how is it to be obeyed? Uh, so what does this commandment say? Uh, we need a right understanding of this fifth commandment uh, and, and uh, what it is saying to us. And first, and, and most simply, I'd just say this this commandment makes it clear that God has established an authoritative structure, a hierarchy within within the human family, uh, and and children and their parents are responsible for adhering to that structure. And of course, I'll just say it's, it's got to begin with parents. It has to. Uh, when, when children are young, how else are they to, to learn this commandment and what it means and, and how to uh, live it out? And so parents must clearly and uh, convincingly teach this to their kids. And the key word in this command is the word honor, honor their parents. Now, notice the word is not merely obey. That's what we often think, do. That's what comes to mind. But it's not just obey. Uh, It is honor. Now, the word itself uh, is kaved, which is Hebrew for heavy or weighty. Now, that may not come to your mind when you think about honor. Uh, But that's literally what the word is in the Hebrew language. And so, in using this word, the emphasis is, is there immediately that children are not to take this relationship between themselves and parents lightly. It must weigh upon them. They must take it seriously. Uh, respect is due to parents. That's just, that, that's fundamental. It's a fundamental building block that God has built in uh, and it must be there. Now, it's it's not just outward, is it? <laughs> and we we hear that in the word honor. We can think about the word obey, and we can think, well, I can I can do that, and it just be something that's outward. But when we think about honor, it it goes deeper than that. And that is, of course, the intent—not just with this commandment, but with each of them—that uh, it's it's inward as well as outward. That um, we can often see this in a child's eyes, can't we? If you, if you, if you look uh, into their eyes, you can see something of what the attitude of the, of the heart is. Uh, it's been said that the eyes are a window into the soul, or certainly into the attitude. Now, it may not always, uh, sometimes we might be fooled, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a great help if we're looking for, not for outward obedience only. And that's the key because we can fall into that trap of of merely looking for that outward obedience to uh, satisfy, in often, often case, uh, our own selfish desire, our own selfish need. But in that case, we're not caring for, we're not uh, loving within the, the family as a, as a parent. Um, in that case, if it's outward only, there is no honor. There is no respect that's there. Really, the opposite uh, is taking place. There is There's a a a contempt uh, for the command of the parent, and and ultimately that's got to be for God, and a mocking. Uh, And God's word makes it clear that that must be corrected. Here's uh, I'll read a few proverbs this morning. Out of Proverb thirty verse seventeen. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother. Notice, both are given there. Both equally need to be honored and respected. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. There's no mincing of words there. Uh, and, And that's something that we do find with this throughout uh, we again and again, we get this warning to parents and children that dishonoring one's parents is one of the worst sins that you can commit. Let me say that again. Dishonoring your parents is one of the worst sins that can be committed. And I'll, I'll just let you know, I'm not going to go through them, but if you look at the penalties for dishonor uh, in the Old Testament, and, and I will tell you that those penalties have gone away. That's part of the civil law. Uh, but if you, you look at those, it, it brings it out right away how important uh, this is. Honor and respect must be taught. It must be expected. Uh, it must be practiced. Now, I'll just say right off the bat that uh, I know this is not popular teaching today. Much of what the world centers around in this area is around what, what are called the rights of a child. Uh, the world encourages us, and, and, and much teaching out there encourages parents to negotiate, in a sense, with their children. And, and above all, to befriend them, to hold up this friendship uh, with children. And we've got to be clear on this, because God's Word is absolutely clear. This is not loving to a child. In fact, it is hating a child. While this relationship should have a tenderness to it, we must avoid, and secondly, we must avoid exasperating our children. Uh, John Calvin uh, speaks of exasperating children in this way. He says, irritating your children by unreasonable severity. And I would add to that, irritating them by merely lecturing or yelling uh, at them, yet discipline brings about correction. And consequences are at the heart of discipline. Again, a, a proverb. This is uh, proverb, uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him, now, of course, a, a rod is going to look different at different ages. Uh, sometimes it's a metaphor. Other times it's exactly uh, what it sounds like. Uh, but the point is that a child is loved by being corrected and never by being left in a state of insubordination, of, uh, of, uh, of a lack of clarity even. Uh, here's, here's a letter that uh, Alistair Begg quotes it's written by a father to his son. It's not perfect, uh, but I do think it's, it's helpful because it, it conveys uh, some of this. It goes this, like this, Dear son, as long as you live under this roof, you will follow the rules. In our house, we do not have a democracy. I did not campaign to be your father. You did not vote for me. We are father and son by the grace of God. I consider it a privilege, and I accept the responsibility. In accepting it, I have an obligation to perform the role of a father. I am not your pal. The age difference makes such a relationship impossible. We can share many things, but you must remember that I'm your father. This is a hundred times more meaningful than being a pal. You will do, as I say, as long as you live in this house. You are not to disobey me, because whatever I ask you to do is motivated by love. This may be hard for you to understand at times, but the rule holds. You will understand perfectly when you have a son of your own. Until then, trust me, love dad. Now, like I said, it's not perfect. This doesn't just cease make the point when a, a child leaves the home, although there are some changes that take place. Uh, but it, it aims to establish this, the, the proper order there. A child and a parent, a child who is a gift from God, while at the same time there's this tremendous responsibility for the parent uh, to steward this child based upon that right relationship. One more thing I'd like to mention under this uh, first heading, that is the depth of this commandment. You saw it earlier when we read from the Shorter Catechism. Uh, This is not only speaking about parents and children. But under this uh, commandment is included all other types of authority structures that are established by God. You know, the question might be asked, well, why then in this commandment, in chapter 20 of of Exodus, why does it speak about parents and children rather than, say, uh, about government authorities and citizens? Because that is spoken of elsewhere. You can look at uh, Romans 13 and other places. Uh, The answer, I I think, uh, and and you'll see this in many of the commentaries as well, is pretty straightforward, and uh, and this emphasizes the importance of what we're uh, talking about here. The first and most basic relationship that every one of us has when it comes to authority is in the home. And when we have been rightly instructed there, when uh, children have been rightly instructed there, their hearts should be prepared. Again, the foundation is laid. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but the, their hearts should be properly prepared for submission to other authority that the Lord has placed over them and over us. And this includes a right approach and submission to those in authority within government. Um, It's been a recent topic we've we've had uh, just a couple of weeks on in uh, adult Sunday school. Uh, We also see this uh, brought out in places like, I mentioned already, Romans 13, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and others. Another area uh, within the church, submission to proper leadership, to elders within the church. First um, Timothy five seventeen. Also, you know, we see in God's Word, servants submitting to their masters. And today, we especially think of this in terms of employees uh, submitting to a boss. Um, and there are a number of places we can turn there. Uh, these, and, and there are others as well, governed by this commandment and having the same principles that are laid down that need to be followed. Uh, in these these different relationships, there are differences that are there. We need to recognize that, but the basic principles are the same. Uh, so, so first, what is this commandment saying? But then secondly, how is it to be obeyed? Uh, how is this commandment to be carried out? Uh, and, and what is the basis for obedience to this commandment? You know, the first question that may come to many minds is... Uh, What about when parents are not deserving of that honor? When parents are not perhaps upholding their responsibilities given to them by God? Well, a couple of aspects to this. One is that a a child who is showing honor to his parents, uh, it doesn't mean that that child must sin. And that's, that carries through all the way with all these relations when it comes to authority, that uh, when it comes to a command that would cause a person to sin, there must be disobedience to that yet. Uh, and really, you shouldn't call it disobedience. There must be a, a, a remaining in the right path uh, there, but at the same time done in the right way, in a way that does honor those who are in authority, and that could be a challenge. Uh, but uh, you can think about when there is a, a parent and a child, and, and there is a difference in uh, where they are in relation to the Lord. Uh, maybe a child who knows the Lord, but the parent does not, and that sometimes does happen. Now, when, when the child's young, that's difficult uh, because the parent is the one who is raising the child. <clears throat> but as they get older, uh, and there's more responsibility for the child, then there is that opportunity to walk in the ways of the Lord, to be present with the church, to be worshiping together with the people, uh, to be taught the truths of the gospel. Uh, and they, they must seek after that. Uh, but with younger children, it is, again, very, very difficult. Um, so anytime a child is asked to sin, or let's go to any of the other relations, and there is a requirement to send government authority to a, a member of society who is a believer, and there is an instruction that you, that you, you find in God's Word. It's clear. This uh, calls me to sin and it's a matter of conscience, I believe by God's Word uh, that this would be sin, then then you must uh, act against it. Uh, having said that, uh, if there is need for teaching to bring into a, a right understanding, then that must happen within the context of the church or, or whatever other uh, relation is there to bring a right understanding. Um, so, again, no instruction to sin must be taken forward. Uh, you know, as, as we think, of, think about this, uh, we, we've got to recognize that uh, for parents, your central purpose with your child, if you're a parent, is not that they would be well-liked by others, not that they would be socialized, not that they would uh, uh, obtain the best job that is out there. I'm not saying we set all of those aside because part of that may be part of God's plan, but that they will know their Savior and that they will be submitted to Him. So ultimately, that is the ground at which we are getting to. Uh, Let me also emphasize that this commandment doesn't go away as parents uh, grow older and as children do move away from the home. We are to continue forward in this. And uh, Jesus makes it very clear in in the way He addresses the Pharisees in a couple of passages that we are to continue to honor our parents. And you think about how we do that. It's by listening to what they say and respecting what they say, by making them a priority and time with them uh, a priority, by caring for them in a way that's appropriate uh, to their age and condition. Uh, Proverbs 23, again, 23, verse 22, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. You know, in some cultures, this is built into the fabric of the culture, uh, and it it becomes just kind of the natural law of the land uh, to make sacrifices of self, whether it's financially or with time or with other priorities. Is that the case here in the United States of America? We'd have to say no. It's not the case. And so uh, this is something that uh, we must be intentional about because it is God's command. And there are challenges with this. I'm not going to paint over those. Uh, yet, this is God's command for us, so we seek to obey and with a right heart. But again, let me, let me address that question. What about when parents don't seem deserving of honor? Now, there are there are limits uh, to this, such as when there is physical abuse that's taking place, uh, or other times when, when there's just a, a, a clear brokenness, complete brokenness uh, in that relationship. Uh, and it depends on the type of authority relationship and how that's handled. But apart from that and apart from those, the answer is that, that the responsibility to honor, in this case, for children to honor parents, remains. It doesn't just go away. Uh, you know, th- there's always this deference that needs to be there, a respect, a submission to, when it doesn't involve ungodly commands that we must not continue with. Uh, if you know the story of Jonathan and David uh, and their relationship with Jonathan's father, with King Saul... That illustrates this well. Uh, As father and as king, Saul was unjust. He was self-centered, and he departed from his responsibilities. And yet, both Jonathan and especially David refused uh, to act against him despite Saul's treachery. And at one point, uh, this is just one place that illustrates this, David says to his men, he says, the Lord forbid... That I should do this thing to my Lord, the lord's anointed, to put my hand against him, seeing that he is the lord's anointed. now notice the principle here as you listen to those words where where was david's uh, where was his obedience applied? Was it to Saul himself? well ultimately, I mean that's how it worked out but we can see in his words, uh, he is the Lord's anointed. Why, why am I obeying? Because it is the Lord's command. Because he is the one who has put this person, these people, this human institution into authority, even if they are an unjust institution. Now again, I'm not going to paint over the difficulties that can often occur in these situations, and they must be addressed according to God's Word individually uh, as we come across them when we deal with government and with, uh, with citizens. But the general teaching, the general uh, commandment that we are given is that honor is due. Either way, it continues forward. Ephesians six one, and we can go to many places like this, but dealing with this within the home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. The reason for this is because of how authority works. Again, it's not the parent who has authority vested in and of himself or herself. All authority resides in the Lord. And so any human authority which is over us has been set into place and established by Him. And yes, we see examples of it. Unjust authority that the Lord was using to, at times, uh, discipline His people and to bring them back uh, into line and back to Him. So, uh, this gets to really why, the reason, you know, the, the motive, why we submit at all. And really, it addresses this question. Where does the power to submit comes from? Because if we know our own hearts, if we know what our hearts tend toward, and not only tend toward, but are are held captive to then we'll know that our sin is strong. And whether you're, you're young or you're old, this pull to rebel against authority, whether you do it openly or you justify it in some way, but this pull to rebel against authority can seem to be beyond us. We don't want to submit. We, we refuse to submit when it comes down to it. So where does that power come from? It comes from the transformed heart. Uh, remember our assurance of pardon that uh, that I read earlier. If I can find it here. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is where the power comes from. In, in all of us, in any relationship that we're involved in that, that has authority built within it. It's only, only by seeing the blood of Christ shed for me that the blood that takes away my sin, my shame, my guilt, it's only when I see that and I know that, and I know that it's been applied for me who was not deserving, who had done nothing that was deserving of it, and who was nothing that deserved it, yet it's been gifted to me. It's the gift of grace. That's the only way. When we see that, we know that, we see the love of God that's been given to us, that we are able to stand up and say, I've been loved first. Therefore, I can love in this way, and I can obey, and I can continue forward. That's why Think about this relationship with our children when they're younger. We're teaching them the principles. Uh, We're teaching them what it looks like to have a right submission. But on the inside, in their hearts, they're not going to have that. (laughs) We've got to recognize that. And it shouldn't always just frustrate us. But what we're driving toward is the teaching of the gospel, that they would see modeled, that they would come to hear and come to know their own hearts, and their own deep sinfulness, their own inability to get away from that sin themselves and the shame and the guilt. But that only Christ, by turning to Christ, trusting in Him, and receiving that which He gives, will they come to that place of a true submission uh, and a right uh, submission to uh, uh, the authority of parents and a love for parents as well. And when they get that, the rest of this commandment comes into into play. Remember the commandment says, uh, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, There is a promise that's attached to this commandment. Uh, To those who truly obey this commandment and, and, and obey it with a right heart, in other words, those who obey it as unto the Lord. Now, for the Israelites, this was speaking about a physical land uh, that uh, you will, will receive and that you may live long in the land. That's, that's what, on the surface, what it would speak to. But even for them, uh, it was far deeper than that. They were looking for a land that would never fail them, a land that was not temporary. Uh, and that's what this promise is attached to. The land that would continue on and on and continue to give to them. The land that's found only in a right relationship with the Lord. And for us today, we know Him. Uh, we know our Savior as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise that's attached to this. And so as you think about that right place of authority, honor your father and mother, or whatever authority you want to place in there, Uh, here's the promise that's attached to it, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Emmanuel, talked about it yesterday for those who were here at our our service, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it's speaking about, uh, that we might continue forward with the Lord, and forever, eternally, live in that relationship with Him. And yes, today, experience the fruit and the blessing that comes from that relationship, a, a heart of peace, and on and on, a hope that will not uh, fail us. Uh, that's where this commandment comes down. There is a promise that's attached to it. And let us look to that promise, and therefore walk together with the lord in obedience to him and that which he has put into place uh around us and upon us now please join me in prayer lord we thank you for your law Uh, we thank you for your law because it it causes us to to see ourselves in a right way that which we so often don't see our eyes are hidden there They're covered over from really seeing a rebellion against you, from really seeing our sin, and yet you draw that out uh, in your law. And then you remind us by your Word and by your Spirit that no longer do we have to obey this law perfectly or else face condemnation but we can now obey it out of a right heart uh, because You have taken care of that perfect obedience of the law for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we thank You for that this morning. Uh, help us to see that and then out of that, out of the knowledge of Christ, out of the knowledge of who He is, what has been done for us. Help us to come with a different perspective to Your law, and have a heart to see it in a right manner uh, as that which You are. Uh, it's, the, it's Your character itself that's being displayed to us, that we might begin to love it and to walk uh, in the ways that You have given us. Uh, we thank You for the resources You have given. We thank You for Your Word. We do pray for Your help. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.